Are you an entrepreneur, a designer? What, uh, what episode are we? 11. 11th, for sure? Yeah, 11th, for sure. So, yes. uh, we set. All right. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. Are you an entrepreneur, a designer, a developer? Never before has it been easier to get your new venture off the ground. Whether you're just getting started, or you have already begun your journey, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we will dive into a new challenge, breaking it down into simple digestible terms. I'm Thanasis. And I'm Dimitri. And you're listening to Listen, Sip, Repeat. In this episode, we'll talk about choosing a database for your product. This is episode number 11. You really nailed the intro there, Thanos. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll cut in post-production. What's up? How's things? <clears throat> Everything's good. Um, major news comes out from breaking news from GitLab. They, they suffered a catastrophic data loss yesterday. They, their service was offline for over a day. Have you heard about it? That's, that, that, that's terrible. And uh, we, we feel them and we're with them and we really hope they recover. They have a live stream going on from their efforts. They're live now. Uh, they recovered uh, just a few hours ago. I checked. There you go. There you go. So um, good on them that they managed to... Uh, I'll be very interested to read the post- postmodern when it comes out. Yeah? Yeah. It's going to be crazy. The, the preliminary is that uh, onwards, uh, on some maintenance that was happening under pressure and stress on a production database, uh, uh, <coughs> a DevOps administrator... Did uh, deleted all the database files. Okay. Uh, this basically resulted in a six-hour data loss, mm. some 900 new users lost, and uh, much of uh, their customers' work. Um, of course, because it's Git, it's not completely lost. It can be restored easily. Yeah. They had five different ways of performing backups, and all five failed. Mm. They weren't tested before. I'm... Uh... Curious to see what the follow-up is going to be. Definitely, we also. I'm, I'm also making a note to <clears throat> make a podcast about uh, disaster recovery and uh, prevention of such catastrophic events. Okay. Uh, before we start, have you ever been part of a disaster like this? No, not of that scale. Yeah. That that was an. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, do, it. It doesn't happen often. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. Uh, well. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often that you know of and I know of. Yeah, yeah. M- maybe it happens a lot behind the scenes. I was just thinking about that. Because, yeah, only if you're a company in the spotlight, mm. you get to learn those kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah, best of luck to them. But I think uh, they're, they're on it. Definitely. Uh, did you, do you know somebody that uses this? No, but we are discussing it in our circles. For people that don't know, GitLab is... Uh, Direct competitor of GitHub. GitHub, yep. It's rather new. Yeah. <laughs> Competitive GitHub. So, yeah. So let's let's uh, get on with the. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm I'm kind of itching to talk about this for 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 hours and go completely off topic. But all right. Uh, what do you say? We, we bring it back to uh, choosing a database for your product. Choosing a database for your product, and uh, yeah, again, let's try to focus on the early stages. Because uh, later stages, uh, as your company grows, your database needs grow, and you might find yourself having multiple databases in your stack. Yeah. And um, can I just say something? Let's let's consider the default state of the early stages to be that middle ground we discussed. So not the one developer, not the fifty people, 
I get the impression that the running theme we're talking about is always that five to 20, 25 people early stage. Well, yeah, again, here it depends because I'm going to be very specific on the one to five people stage. Cool, all right, and, sure. And, and, and contrast it with uh, five to 10 people because after five to 10 people and five, and when I'm talking people, I mean engineers, okay? Uh, it's not like uh, five people are the CEO, the marketing guy, the <laughs> the accountant, and the single developer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's five developers. So after the point you, where you have at least five developers, um, you've grown to uh, you've already grown enough to consider uh, restructuring your code and your databases. You know, so that's the point where uh, you start to specialize and optimize for your product. Mm -hmm. And, and we'll see how this relates as uh, we'll discuss what to use on the different use cases. But before we get there, let's just uh, skim through the all the major different database categories. All right. So the first one is a transactional RDBMS type stuff, MySQL, Postgres, and uh, Oracle. Um, I, I think MySQL is the most uh, popular a solution out there and it's been around for the longest too i've certainly been using it uh on and off or definitely being part of uh, stuff that's been using it quite a lot and uh where i'm now we actually use uh, mysql as one of our uh databases as the, really your main data store is uh, mysql we do a lot of stuff we uh, so we uh, the api we have that writes to mysql but like we we're saying uh, we're doing a lot of uh, uh, high-frequency uh, location stuff at the moment. And uh, it's quite uh, interesting that we having actually a chance to discuss this because we're looking at a, a couple of uh, extra solutions. We want to be able to uh, split this up into the data collection component where we're writing to MySQL because that works fine for us and it, it can handle records. But then we'll be running operations on, on the database like... You know, calculating uh, uh, route frequency, uh, determining uh, routes, comparing routes. Uh, that's uh, very processing intensive stuff. So um, we've been discussing internally that uh, MySQL might not uh, uh, Do you know be, be you... ideal for us. But yeah. Do you know if you use transactions? Uh, do I know if we use transactions? Uh, we certainly do use transactions. But so right, uh, just to get back to the yep, 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 sure, sure. transactional part. Exactly. <laughs> that uh, having transactions is one of the strongest uh, shoots of the transactional database. That's the name. And uh, having a transaction means that I'm going to perform multiple reads and writes onto the database, mm -hmm. either for new records or update existing records. And then, if something goes wrong along the whole chain, I am able to. Um, revert all the changes that I've made, reject them, and they get... So you can, you can roll back, basically, quite easily. Exactly, yep. exactly. You can roll back. Now, um, I'm going to say that Postgres is an equally uh, good candidate mm -hmm. for selecting a free SQL database, and in some cases it's also more particularly suited. Um, I've seen some benchmarks uh, on and off. Uh, it's uh, supposed to be superior to MySQL in that respect. Right, right, right. In in raw performance. Well, you know, uh, there isn't any true answer to that. You're going yeah, to find the is. database administrators that uh, support the one or the other. All right. <laughs> yeah. 
it's good to know that they, those are the two most prominent ones as in regards to SQL transactional databases. The next set of databases are the key value stores. A very classic example of that is Redis. Redis has been used very ubiquitously throughout all the all the services today. Yes. Uh, because Redis is a very fast key store, key value store, and key value is what it means. You store a key, what a, a unique string, that it stores some value. Now that value can be anything. It can be a single string, can be an object, can be mm-hmm. other types of data store. Um, very, yeah, in computer science terms, think about you know hash maps, dictionaries, that kind of stuff. It's very, very similar. Exactly. The one of the best advantages that uh, key value stores have is their speed. So mm. uh, they're incredibly fast. They can return uh, results in less than fifty milliseconds. Thirty, twenty milliseconds is the norm. And uh, the way they do that, especially for Redis, as I know, is that uh, they have a first layer of store that is on memory, mm-hmm. so it's very fast accessible. And then in the background, they store the in-memory uh, down to disk. Yes. So because of that very specific way they work, it's not a 100% reliable data store system. So you wouldn't want to store their mission-critical data. Yes. Meaning you wouldn't, uh, I mean, a bank wouldn't use... Exactly. Redis That's what I was thinking. So, transactions, <laughs> monetary transactions. Exactly. In in finance sector in particular, uh, this is a no no because uh, I want uh, the result to be available uh, in zero time when the transaction quote has been performed. I don't want to wait like two seconds. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's it's a great you know caching solution that you can have. Uh, uh, together with your main database, Redis. And that's what it's uh, used for, yeah. primarily caching, sessions. So the session is a unique string that gets stored in uh, the browser's cookies and mm-hmm. it's transported throughout every request. And you get that, screen, that string from the client, from the browser, and you query Redis to get back the response. You know, do I know this user? Who, who, which user is that? That, that that's being performed incredibly fast, and that's why where Redis is best suited for in standard uh, web applications. All right. Um, so moving on, uh, please, Danasi. What else have we got? Moving on, we got the document-based databases. So this would be Mongo, mm-hmm. and the idea here is that we store a whole document. A document basically is an object which on itself contains key value um, key value pairs. And uh, the difference between key value stores and the document is uh, exactly that. In document-based, you can have uh, collections, which is similar to what we call tables in transactional databases. And it's best suited for storing uh, big objects, like, say, a whole user's profile or, I don't know, so, uh, big data stores that uh, I can easily store without the restriction of a schema. Gotcha. So, in, yeah, we forgot to mention that in transactional databases, you have very strong schema enforcement. So when you store on the table users, it is expected that you will store a name, an email. You cannot, you cannot not store an email, right? You're going to get an error. In key value and document-based databases, you're free to do whatever you want. They have no schema. They're schemaless. Um, you mentioned it's good for storing user profiles, but uh, honestly, I'm not quite 
convinced because no, I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't say it was good. I was trying to find an example. Yeah, like, well, what's a good example? That's what I want to ask you because uh, this is actually quite uh, interesting for me. Right. A good example would be uh, analytics. Got it. All right. Uh, most. Yeah. I mean, that's that was the core use case. Yep, yep, uh, I yep, want to yep. store an object which contains data. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Nevertheless, we do use Mongo in production today as the main data store, and I'm going to explain why later. Mm -hmm. Now, the next category of databases are the graph databases. Graph databases like Neo4j are databases that describe relations. Between entities? So, uh, between entities, yeah. I know you, you know John, John knows uh, Catherine. Okay, and the, and the actual that, entities? That path of, what do you mean? How they described Right, the the object, uh, the data objects that you store there. Okay, so objects and the relationship between them. Exactly, exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing social networks, it's a must, and that's that's where those databases came out from in the first place. Oh, okay, so you're saying that uh, several of the social networks out there employ this kind of uh, technology. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so they can figure out, you know, your graph network. When you, when they say your graph, they mean your immediate network, your secondary, third, you know. When you get into LinkedIn and it says, you know, this guy with three connections away, <laughs> yep. that's where this comes from. Have you seen that movie Six Degrees of Separation? I, I, I haven't seen it, I think. Uh, just a bit off topic, but it's, it's a concept that everybody on the planet is a maximum six hops away from... Ah, right, 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 right. Yes. So they actually ran an experiment on this at Facebook at some point. And? The processing is immense. It's crazy. Uh-huh. Like, to build this kind of a graph. Right. Like, special algorithms developed. Just You know, obviously, you can't brute force it. We're talking, like, a 10 to the power of, I don't want to say, but, you know, big, yeah? Crazy numbers. Okay. Awesome. And the final category is uh, client cloud-based. Okay. So there's a, a few stuff we can talk about, and there's a lot of uh, legacy stuff that I'd, I'd like to give uh, honorable mentions to. So I'll begin uh, by saying uh, Firebase, uh, which uh, it's a, a back-end build for you. Uh, you can make a specific uh, use of uh, subsets of that, uh, but it has a real-time database, that you can store and you know, sync data in real time, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the storage, uh, obviously hosting, uh, push notifications, that kind of stuff. Uh, the real-time data... Firebase is a network database. It's on the cloud. It's on the cloud, and uh, it's real-time in the sense that... So if you can use it in uh, any sort of app for any sort of uh, OS. Um, and uh, it's pretty incredible, so... Um, so I get onto the website, I sign up, and I have a database. Yeah, yeah, it's, and uh, yeah, it's e easy as that. Um, That's great. Uh, you're doing a better job at selling this for me, <laughs> for me. Uh, but uh, the specific use case is that not not a lot of extensive knowledge re required, so you can get up and running uh, very quickly if you want to focus on a, a front end app. And uh, some pretty crazy stuff. Something very particular, uh, technology wise, you can be on a screen. Uh, within your app, you can change an entity or a field uh, on the website and you see it uh, change right there with no refresh, no nothing, just there in, in real time. Very good at, at pushing data to you uh, and a, a very comprehensive SDK in order for you to build uh, these bindings. Um, 
Another one, which is my preferred, is Realm. So Realm is a, is a local database. That's how it started as, realm.io, um, Y Combinator Company, etc. That's how it began. And uh, it's really going back to basics where uh, it's, a, it's not a distributed uh, mega database solution out there in the cloud. It, uh, it's taking the approach that it's going to run on a low-resource environment. And it's really going back to basics in terms of performance, like every bit counts, every bit matters. And uh, you can use that. Uh, it's it's cross-platform, works everywhere. What they've done recently is... Everywhere, as in, uh, I guess, iOS, Android? Um, you know, Mac. Uh, well, I, I, oh, you can run it on Mac as well. Yeah, iOS, Android, actually, uh, asterisk on map, but it, it's a fully native solution. Um I'm not sure about Windows Phone, uh, but with iOS and Android, you're pretty much covered. All right. Do you know details? Like, is it more like an SQL type? So of it's a NoSQL nice type of object store. Object store. And that, that, that's all I know. So uh, it's actually open source. Right. A lot of C++ in there, a lot of cross-platform. And uh, I get the impression that uh, there's absolutely... I mean, it's a NoSQL stuff, like an object store, and uh, even if you read the literature on the website, uh, they use terminology that, uh, like live objects and objects and that kind of stuff. Awesome. Um And um, honorable mention, they've also built this uh, Firebase type thing at the moment. So everything I described about Firebase before, they've been doing too, uh, like a back-end solution with live syncing of data and uh, bringing these two things together. This is like a, a broader uh, concept or trend that you basically be seeing uh, within the next year or so, definitely 2017, like the offline first uh, implementation. Like you open your app, there's no internet, but you know you can still do stuff. Um, and I've been uh, going that direction recently in my own projects. Then uh, people like Firebase and Realm are definitely enforcing that. Um, Firebase allows you to go offline. Yeah, I mean uh, Realm does because uh, it, it's a, it's a local database. And uh, yeah, by definition, Realm doesn't have online, so online. Yes, and. Uh, Uh, you can build your own layer on top and uh, you can give the impression to the user that they open their app. It's not like you go to mobile Safari, there's no internet, the page doesn't load. Uh, it's like going to your mail app on iOS or Gmail on Android and there's no email, but you know you open it up and you can browse the stuff you've already uh, downloaded. Right, right. So th there's still some user experience to be had in the offline world too and these products help. Uh, SQLite, I'm just going to pass through that really quickly because... Uh, Uh, great technology, but uh, it's kind of... Dated? Um, <laughs> not da not dated, like core data on iOS, if you want to use that. That's another honorable mention. It's a layer built on top of SQLite. Uh -huh. um, but it's uh, becoming more and more cross-platform, so uh, I vote for Realm and Firebase. And uh, for your web front-end app, uh, I did some research recently into um, browser local store, and uh, I can't really say that's gained a lot of traction. So um, web storage, the, the way that works is uh, for a browser that supports local storage, uh, you'll be able to assign key value Uh, attributes um, and be able to uh, return later and uh, just load them up from the data 
And uh, I'm sure that there's, uh, you know, for your session or uh, for not your session, just completely locally. I'm sure there's solutions built around that at this stage that give a nicer interface and uh, give it more power rather than just saying uh, set item and get item because really that's what it is. But I'm not sure that uh, I've really seen a lot of implementations out there, even from uh, just looking at a website and, and looking at the UX. Like I go to Gmail, which you know is a is a high level, uh, ubiquitous uh, web app, but you know it still loads now and again. So I'm not really sure how much traction that is gained or people are using it. Uh, yeah, would you know something about that? Well, uh, I wouldn't see local storage as a primary data store. Rather, more like uh, a caching, a strong caching mechanism, and maybe offline usage for browsers. Got it. Okay. But but there are cases where it might be a viable solution. For instance, if you're developing uh, using Electron, which allows you to build native applications for OS X and Windows uh, by using a browser, the WebKit, uh, for that specific use cases, it's a viable solution. Yeah. Well, I mean... Because you have a stable environment... Uh, I think the Slack app. So exactly, that's definitely exactly uh, a, a native wrapper around uh, the kind of technology you mentioned. Exactly, and uh, you know you, you you turn it on, you open it up, and uh, there's definitely some sort of local storage there because it just like pops up. Cool. So you think that's what they're using? I mean, what else could they be using? Yeah? Uh, no, well, they could yeah. be using all of the above that you mentioned as well. Yes, true. Uh, everything is in play. Now let's. Uh, we've gone through all the database categories: uh, transactional key value, document-based, graph-based, and the cloud client cloud-based. Now let's see when to use which. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. Let's start by the classic uh, web application. Um, and again, this is on the very early stages, very early on. You still don't really know what you want to do. You have a rough idea. You don't know where it will take you. So your primary concern at this point is to produce a prototype. And uh, you need to do that fast. And that's why uh, prototyping is a more rough product than an MVP or even the, a finished product, right? Mm -hmm. And let's try to break out the, the web applications into several categories so we can better... Um, you know, suggest a solution. Let's start right off the bat by uh, some the very distinct examples, like if you're doing something that is transactional, and that means that you are having a lot of reads and writes. For instance, you are creating, uh, you know, a virtual phone book, a catalog of all the hotels in the world. I don't know, something that requires uh, cataloging, extensive storage that of data that need to be queried fast. That's 100% uh, transactional database. You're going to MySQL or Postgres. You need transactions, you need uh, queries, you need joint queries, and you're going to have a lot of structured data. Mm. And you need an immediate uh, result also. Right, yeah, well, the immediate, let's, let's say that it's a requirement for everybody. Okay. I mean... A, I cannot think of a case, you know. It's okay to send me later. <laughs> it's never All okay. Right. It's, it's never okay. So if you're uh, in that kind of realm, uh, you know, it's a one-way street to go to your main data store to be a transactional one. But if that's not the case, 
Um, you should consider all the other options. First, again, let's put out the easy ones. If you are a social network, you are going to need a graph database to describe the relations between your entities, your users. Um, but if you're anything else but that, then I would suggest that you start with a document-based uh, database for the single and only reason that it is faster to develop on. Mm. And the reason why it's faster is because, it, like we mentioned before, it doesn't have a schema. Mm -hmm. And when you're starting out, you are not fully aware of your schema. You're not fully aware of uh, where a model will take you. So you start the user model. Okay, you put down 10 fields, email address, whatever comes into your mind. <clears throat> that is going to change over time. And uh, the more changings, changes are going to be experienced by your main models. So if, uh, you know, you are a chat application, you have a data store that stores all the chat messages. And that those chat messages have the properties, which is a schema. And those properties are going to evolve, change as the product grows with you. Now, if you have a transactional database, each change you make to the schema, adding a field, changing a field, removing a field, adding a new data store, a new table, all of those actions require you to write migration scripts. And migration scripts cost a lot of time. Um, you need to set up the migration when it starts. So you need to say, create those two uh, uh, columns on this table. And you need to also define the behavior when the migration goes down, you need to undo what you did. That's the way this works. And this process adds a lot of time on development. And early on, when you simply start with a database with a single table and you need to end up with a database that has 50 tables, it's going to be a tremendous amount of work. And that's the only and single reason I am generally suggesting that you go with Mongo, regardless of its handicaps people say you know well you're going to hear people say hey mongo is going to lose a record every 10 million records or something like that okay it's acceptable for me i mean if i'm starting out and i'm having uh, my first 100 users I i'm going to know them by name if I, ha if I have a data loss on 100 and have 99 i'm going to notice it's not something that will slip. Interesting. So that, that's that's an actual issue then, right. data loss. Yeah, it's possible. It's mm. it's virtually possible. Is this one of those things like mathematically possible but never happens, or do you actually exactly. see that? If if you have a high traffic app, would you be seeing that every day? Well, uh, yeah, I guess if you are uh, storing uh, millions of records per hour, you are going to have. <laughs> some uh, some loss but at that point at that point you're storing it, it it depends though i mean i'd be very disappointed if i lost user information right and that's but if i'm tracking location for example exactly that's that's, whatever, that's exactly man. what right. i wanted okay, to say yeah. i mean at that point if you're storing millions of records per hour then you are very you know, deliberate. The records that you are storing, you know very well that you don't care if you lose one or two. They're like analytics records. Okay. It's exactly what you said. I mean, I'm not going to store a million transactions happening over an hour on users on a Mongo database. That's never going to happen. Cool. But when I'm starting out and I don't even have 10 users and I need speed, cool. that's where it helps. Um, 
what else would you like to talk about? Apps, application development. So yeah, that was that was web uh, that was web apps, which means your standard uh, you know backend frontend. Uh, now let's see, let's talk about you know yeah. uh, I'll, uh, other other type of applications. I'll uh, be talking about some frontend too here, but um, so location based, uh, you, you covered that. Well, I didn't quite mm. cover that location based. Well, uh, let's location. have a discussion. I just mentioned earlier for yeah. the data collection component. Uh, uh, what do you have in mind for location? Uh, we're looking into Mongo. We're looking into Mongo for, for that exact uh, reason that came up, that uh, it's a specific type of uh, data that you don't care if you lose a few. Like, you literally do not care if you lose a couple of points, if you're tra- tracking people's location. Here's the thing now, Dimitri. You are storing location as raw data, as, uh, like, analytics. Uh, Will you be performing queries on that data? Yes. So, at the moment, we're storing it on MySQL. And there's fields that have uh, latitudes and longitudes, for example. Do you perform queries? Like, uh, who's close to that? At the, at the moment, uh, we're just collecting the data. And we're, we're, we're in the... the quote, uh, product uh, scoping uh, definition requirement stage of uh, what to do with that. But the vision is to be able to say something like uh, being able to calculate... Uh, Proximity. R- 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 routes people take, for example. Ah, routes. But, you know, there's a lot of complicated math on that. So uh, we're still at that stage. But if we're going to be doing queries on top of the data, maybe some way to send this data over to Mongo, we'll see. Here's the thing now, Dimitri, if you want to query, and you want to query by location, which means basically proximity, you know, who uh, give me all the records that is, are within this radius of a specific location, the only database that I know that supports this kind of queries natively is Postgres. I see. Okay. Because those kind of queries... I, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, no, no, no comment. We're still maybe we could talk about this, and uh, we'll get back to our users. Uh, but Postgres, okay. So t- tell me more about this. Yeah, because right, because uh, performing uh, geospatial queries is a very complicated thing. Is a very complicated thing. Imagine you have latitude and longitude, right? You have a full table of latitude and longitude. There is no way to describe a query that says, "Get me all the records that are within." Uh, a thousand meters around this location. This comes out of an algorithm. It's a type that calculates radians and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's. Uh, I mean, on on a database that doesn't natively support this type of queries, you're going to do a lot of extra work to make it work. Absolutely. Okay. Just a just a note to keep in mind. Very nice. Um, there's a lot of third-party services that you can use to. So, so you're, you're actually moving away from uh, you performing queries in the database and just uh, uh, ferrying data over to the third-party service and they get back to you with the information you want. Yeah, and I think for the prototyping stage, Firebase might also be an optimal solution even for, even for standard web applications. If you're looking at the completely bare-bones prototype impress some people approach, I would say Firebase because uh, in effect... It's a back-end replacement. You can get you up to a high percentage. At some point, you might want to consider investing money and bringing that stuff in-house. And on the front-end, um, you can have your web app, uh, a native app, 
uh, you can make one of those, uh, use one of those services like Titanium or PhoneGap or whatever. I'm not very familiar that uh, build once, run anywhere. Uh, however, just for the prototyping, you will have to move on to something native uh, later on. So it's the same logic. Firebase isn't really a back-end replacement. It can never do all the stuff that you'll be able to do in-house with a, uh, with a experienced group of professionals. Same thing applies for uh, your apps too. But it's a very nice solution to get up and running completely. I have a, a link here I'll put in the show notes. It has how to build a chat app with Firebase. And it's literally just one post. Uh, so... That's a question I wanted to ask you, Dimitri, uh, about uh, chat, yeah. which is a very special type of uh, requirement. I've built, I've, built, I've built a few of those. I mean, you, you need some sort of like socket solution, first of all, <laughs> and Firebase uh, will uh, provide that under the hood. I'm sure that uh, immediate feedback that I mentioned earlier has some sort of socket implementation underneath, but you never get to see it as uh, the, the, the layer that you're developing on. Uh, yeah, sure. What were you asking? Um, yeah, I mean, is Firebase suited well suited for chat messaging applications? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's like uh, the the poster child, yeah. And uh, for some reason, it's a great selling point too. So that live object thing that I mentioned for Realm, uh, the presentation that comes along with uh, the marketing materials is like build a chat app in ten minutes, and there's a guy on stage doing live coding and he does it. <laughs> and it's not it's not really smoke and mirrors it's actually something that works uh, you can prototype <laughs> and works like you're chatting with people right but then you get into other stuff it's like okay like we have to you know, authorization user accounts uh, the ux is very sparse it's like just bubbles but maybe i want to enrich my user interface at some point like you know 10 minutes is 10 minutes let's not get carried away here but just the fact that this technology is out there these days in, in 2017 that allow you to have a, a chat app in, in 10 minutes it's pretty amazing it's like wow yeah the tooling the tooling today is incredible so you know location based and, and, and chat and messaging very popular implementations these days a lot of activity in the startup sector and uh, that's why we spend some uh, time talking about these mm. Any other specific app categories you'd like to... Well, uh, no, pretty much okay. uh, that's the whole deal. And the thing to understand here is that um, prototyping is something that you are most probably going to discard. Yep. And that's why you're allowed to spoil yourself. Yeah, go nuts, go nuts. Prototyping is uh, something that, you know, it's, it's free of many constraints that you might have later on. And uh, but you have to like clean it up and get more serious later uh, in, in your life cycle. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is, it's great to build something in ten minutes, but uh, real stuff that makes money, that has users, and uh, you know needs a team to support, might take a bit more than ten minutes. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. I, I know people working for years and haven't yeah, come. Yes, out and you're always like, yet. oh, okay. You know, people have been working on uh, a product that... Ha- Team. Yeah? Teams, not just people. All right. I think w- we have the same people in mind. You, you can tell me later. <laughs> I'll just well, it's, a com- I- it's a common story. It's not a, it is, it is, know, it is. It was a terrible joke. One or two. Cool. Awesome. So, yeah, that was it, short and sweet. Today we talked about uh, 
what database to choose for your product. We went through the database categories, the transactional, the key value, the document base, the graph databases, and the solutions that are available in the cloud and locally on the client. And uh, we went through uh, when to use which for mm -hmm. uh, traditional web applications, uh, transactional ones that have uh, that want to retain catalogs and stuff. It's the transactional solution. For location-based, uh, first have a look at Postgres and then based on your specific uh, use case, move on to the other stuff. Mm. And uh, consider location-based to be uh, a synonym of something that you might be doing that's high frequency, high availability. So, well, you know what? We didn't cover it, but I, th I think location-based would be synonymous to that. Kind of, kind of, because I, I wouldn't want to confuse location-based with uh, log storing, which is... Uh, gotcha. Because, you know what? A location can be like an application like Foursquare, Mm -hmm. where users check in. So uh, you don't have uh, millions of check-ins going on per minute, right? I mean, your, in your startup. True. In, but, in your own company, not in yeah. Foursquare, actually. <laughs> but it might be one of those ride-sharing apps that uh, if you're the driver, you're sending data constantly for your position. Crazy stuff, millions. Of right, right, right. Yeah, that's more in the... Kind of and, you know, and, and maybe because you mentioned Foursquare, have you seen that thing where you're walking around and suddenly says, "Ah, you're outside public." Right. Do you want to check it out? So right, right. Uh, Proximity it's queries. It's definitely phoning home there, for sure. Proximity queries. Yeah, and cool. uh, that was it. That was it. Uh, I think was, uh, I think we're done now. So thank you for listening. If you are and. Uh, if you find it helpful, uh, we like you to. Uh, it'll be great and very fulfilling for us if you get to choose one of these technologies. Uh, I think we've covered more than 95%. Awesome. So if you have any questions, please email us at uh, hello at listenshiprepeat.com or uh, visit our website www.listenshiprepeat.com to listen to all of our past uh, podcasts and uh, read the transcripts of the podcasts. Um, Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Before that, though, yeah, if you go to iTunes, like the podcast, please do rate us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to write a review. Just pressing the star is nice. Any service that you got our podcast from has that. Uh, it makes us uh, more eager than what we already are to continue doing this. Definitely. And we thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ciao.